tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. Morning, Macca. It's Trevor Davies at Greenbank. We've had five inches, mate, in the last three days, but I wanted to tell you about a bit of pre-warning we had to the rain. We've been on this place for the last 30 years. Big meat ants nest down the back, but overnight it's around about 8 to 10 foot square and uh, probably about 2 foot high, but in 24 hours it grew about 18 inches. A big tower on the top of it. And really? give us a bit of a pre-warning, yeah, to the rain that we've had over the last couple of days and weeks, which have been really good. But really strange um, to see the nature sending out a bit of a warning that the rain was coming. It's... Mate, we had an old fella come on this place and he said to me, whatever you do, don't get rid of that great big meat ants there. They've been there for a long time. They'll keep the white ants out of your place. There you go. So we've left the ants there, mate, and then and, and the mould has slowly grown over all the years. And we'd, we leave them go. And um, I haven't had any white ants touch wood. But, um, <laughs> touch wood. With a, with, with a, <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> That's a good old can, brain, I, can I use that? We, we haven't had any white ants touch wood. <laughs> good on you, mate. Good on you, really, enjoy, really enjoying the rain, maker, And all our tanks and dams are full, mate. We're, we're really happy. we got enough water for 12 months, mate. But it's good to hear some of those people out on the downs getting plenty of water, mate. The city, the scrub, and the farmer in the pub. They love it all over Australia. There's a radio show that Australians all know. If you're rich or you ain't got a cracker. They tell stories so grand of this vast timeless land and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. I will. Good morning. Welcome to the program, wherever you are. I wonder if there's any entomologists listening this morning or in citrus growers, because I was thinking about stink bugs. I read a missive earlier this morning about illegally imported fish into Australia, which is always a danger, bringing anything in illegally. You know, people have things secreted about their person, fish, for God's sake, but um, also um, the... um, Stink bugs. I was thinking about because they get onto my um, orange trees and lemon trees and stuff and lime trees and make a mess. And I was wondering, are they imported? How did they get here? And and how do how do major citrus growers deal with them? I don't know. So maybe you're an entomologist or a citrus grower, and you know the answer to that wherever you are. Love to talk to you. Um, we've had the trifecta, haven't we? We've had the the um, terrible drought. Had the terrible bushfires and. The terrible, depending where you are, the terrible floods. There's been some, so it's been the trifecta: the drought, the bushfires, and then the, uh, and then the uh, floods. Rain, rainfalls like 550, 600 mils, and then um, in uh, where was it? M- um, Mingla, Mingla Range, just which is west of Townsville. Forty-four degrees yesterday. Forty-four degrees, according to Graham. Wherever you are, lots of emails. You can email me, macatracks at gmail.com. This came in from uh, Fred. He said, Fred Henry says, as you doubted last Sunday, um, Saturday, our local time, where is he? Rockhampton suburb got its name of Frenchville for Anthelma, Anthelma Those, T-H-O-Z-E-T, first director of the Rockhampton Botanic Gardens in the 1860s. Frenchman's Creek, which runs through the area, was also named for Those. I put the explanation in brackets as I'm writing from the city of Las Palmas de Gran Canaria in the Canary Islands. 
Probably you'll have to look up the Wikipedia for such a strange place on earth. Anyhow, you wouldn't believe that two of us from down under happened to come across each other under the same roof. And that's in a building of no more than four flats and five floors. You might also call that Australians all over in a program such as yours, in brackets, ours. Mind you, that coincidence even motivated a colleague of ours to invite us to her own space at the regional network Canarius Radio Radio last year. While I had lived at the penthouse on the fourth and fifth floors with my Spanish partner for about 10 years already, Dave ended up on the first. So Dave and Fred have got together. G'day, this is Macca. G'day, Ian. This is Darren. He's from Calindra in Mara. How are you? G'day, Darren. How are you? Mate, battle along there, Ian. Calindra near Mara in in Queensland, of course. Yes, mate. Uh, north of uh, uh, Billa Wheeler in central Queensland here. What's been mate, happening mate, around your, your neck of the woods, uh, Daz? Oh, mate, we've had a lo- lovely drop of rain and everything, but I, I have to talk to you about tornadoes. A couple of weeks ago you were talking about them going through the bush and knocking a few trees down. Well... Mate, we, we had one here on the 20th of January and um, destroyed our house, all our accommodation, virtually everything. The only bit that's left standing on the property is the shed and the silos. Everything else is gone. Really? Mate, it was terrible. Come through on the 20th of January, about 8.30 at night, and uh, there was a bit of a storm brewing, and I thought, well, I'll slip in and have a shower before the power goes off. And while I was in having a shower, I just stepped out, and my daughter was yelling out about the... Uh, glass door, aluminium door was bowing and as I looked out there the veranda went off the front of the house and then I looked back up in the bathroom and the roof went off and I thought geez, this is getting a bit serious, I better slip my strides on and uh, get out and have a look at this, this is, something's going to happen here shortly and the wind blew for about 10 minutes and then it stopped and I thought oh thank goodness it's over and I went to go out and have a look and next thing I could hear this uh, wind roaring and it came came again but this time the wind was from the other direction and that commenced to rip the back half of the roof and everything off the house and then the wind got in the house and blew the windows and part of the walls down and wow very devastating mate that's all i can say yeah it sounds like uh you you see those um the videos of twisters in in kansas and the central west of america and those sort of things and but uh yeah we don't have that but that's i've heard of that before um haven't you? As I was saying, you get a, a narrow swathe cuts through the bush. It might be 20, 50 metres, 100 metres wide. That's all and just goes through and, and it's got the power of a, a tornado. It's just unbelievable. And where, where are you living now, Daz? Oh, mate, I'm just in the shed here. That's about all we've got left. So Joe and I are in the shed here, camped up here for the time being until we can get something sorted out with the insurance. But, yeah, they like... There was a donga I had set up here for a workers' accommodation. We just tore it off the foundations and rolled it over and over about 200 metres and then wrapped it around the power pole and then lifted it up the power pole to where the transformer was and busted the bottom out of the transformer. And there's iron from our house four k's away over at the neighbour's shed wrapped around the post of his shed. The strip was probably only three, four k's wide and we were just happened to be the very lucky ones to be right in the middle of it. And I got a centre pivot irrigator on the other side of Back Creek there. Well, it just destroyed it. There's nothing left of it. You wouldn't even know it was an irrigator. Isn't that amazing? What do you reckon the, the wind speed was, Darren? Mate, I've had a few people come out and have a look, and they reckon it probably would have been doing 160 k's an hour at least, just the way how that, like this donga, is, it's a heavy-duty one, weighs about 9 tonne, and it just picked it up, tore it off the foundations that was on, and actually 
physically wrapped the whole frame around the power pole and it couldn't move then, so the wind just slid it up the power pole. The marks were on the pole where it went up the pole and then hit the transformer. So a few people have been out. They reckon it would at least have been doing that. The SES couldn't believe it. They've never seen anything like it. They come out the top the roof on the house, and they said, mate, we can't put a tarp on there, there's no, no frame or anything left. I said, well, that's correct. I said, but like when that second lot of wind came along, it was a lot stronger, and any timber that was left up on the ceiling, well, they just it was just punching down through the ceiling into the floor around us, here, there, and everywhere. Daz, I'll come through Mara uh, sooner or later. This year we'll come through. I'll bring you that video, and uh, look, you look after yourself. Hope you get your insurance soon, and... Yeah, stay uh, stay warm and uh, dry, mate. Good on you. Nice to talk yeah, to you, Yeah, I know. We've had plenty of, plenty of rain, Mac. We've had about 170 mils since the 20th of January and about 180, 190 mils since the beginning of February to now. And the Dawson River's running beautiful. Hell, there's some water going down there. Unbelievable. <laughs> isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? And uh, I, I just can't believe the change. The change is unbelievable. Mate, we've gone from two years of drought into this and... Yeah, it's been a bit of a shock to the system, I can tell you. Well, that long, best... and then you get topped this. But anyway, you've got to keep going, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Good on you, Darren. Great to talk to you, mate. Love to all. All the best to you, Ian and Leanne. I'll talk to you as much later on, eh? See you, mate. Bye. See ya. Hey, back, uh, my name's Tony. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Tony. Mate, I'm just uh, heading back to home and down in New South Wales. I've been over in uh, South Australia small town called um, Beachport where we, uh, a whole heap of us from all over the country meet once a year to uh, sail our windsurfers on uh, Lake George there. What's what's the name of the lake? Lake George. In South Australia, not Lake George in Canberra? No, no, no. This, this one's got water in it. <laughs> so there's still no water in Lake George in Canberra even despite the rain we've had? Oh, well, there probably is now, mate, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to be windsurfing in it. It's probably a bit shallow and a few star pickets that might uh, <laughs> might hurt us a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's Lake George in South Australia near Beachport. Uh-huh. Um, people from all over the country. We had a whole heap of Tasmanians, Queenslanders, West Australians all congregate on the lake uh, around this time of the year for around about a month and just the most perfect conditions for uh, speed windsurfing. Um, we all wear little GPS units. Um, we're all in different teams. The team's called the GPS Team Challenge. Um, basically measures all our, our speeds and turns and everything and then ranks the, the different teams. Um, so, yeah, it's all, all just friendly competition, a bit of banter. Um, there's probably about 50 of us on the lake uh, just recently. Um Close to 100 people come through uh, over the month of uh, February normally. Tony, what sort of speeds do you get up to? I, I mean, when I see winds, it seems to be going. I suppose you go as fast as the wind, do you? Or faster? Oh, no, we, we go faster, faster than the wind because the uh, apparent wind that the, the sails make. So we uh, bear away from the wind. And so anything on a, maybe a 20-knot breeze uh, will be... Punching 35 knots. Gee. Um, some of the some of the fast guys, um, they'll do up to 40 knots in about 30 knots of wind. So it's it's good fun, but we yeah we wear helmets and impact vests and all that good stuff. Of but course. Really good bunch of uh, bunch of people from diverse backgrounds. Um, and we this, all have a chat. I think. Is this go. is this a casual get together or is this a sort of organised thing? No, it's, it's a casual get together, which I think what makes it even better there's no pressure 
we just go out and sail as hard, hard and as fast as we can. Uh, one of the guys, he, he had his 73rd birthday uh, while we were there. Mm. Um, right down to a young guy, Bill. He was uh, he turned 19. Oh, no, he, he's 19. Um, Tony, what uh, what do you like about it? Do you think windsurfing? Oh, I, I guess for me, it's a it's a good chance to, to get away from from work, get away from the guys I work with, a uh, good diverse bunch of people, and then the pure exhilaration of, of being on the water, you know, travelling at thirty five to forty knots wow. um, speed. Um, world, the world doesn't doesn't really matter because all you're worrying about is that next next gust of wind uh-huh. or that small small ripple of uh, chop that's probably going to cause you to come unstuck. Good on you, Tony. Great to talk to you, mate. Uh, give us a report on Lake George. It might might fill up. You never know. You never know. <laughs> no worries, mate. Good on you. See ya. Thanks, Tony. Bye. Good day. This is Macca. Good morning, Macca. Guy Bowley. Guy, you sound like you're airborne. I am airborne. You're all very correct, sir. I'm just uh, passing uh, forward on the way up to north, up to Narrabri. Now, uh, Guy, you, you, um, are you crop dusting or what are you doing? I will be when I get up there. I've been bombing fires anywhere between Canberra and Armadale and Nowra wow. uh, most of the summer. And uh, I've been on fire bomber standby most of the week, just gone. And now I'm heading up north to go spraying. Haven't been spraying for a, uh, <laughs> a few years because the drought's been um, not raining enough, I guess. Guy, t- now tell me this: What sort of an aircraft do you fly when you're um, not when you're crop dusting, but when you're? Um, is it the same one and the same when you're firefighting? Um, and what are you dropping? Retardant or what? Uh, yeah, we do fly the same type of aircraft. It just has a, uh, a different dispersal system. Uh, so what they call a fire door, so we can control that. That how much we do or don't want to put out, and how many we can split the load to put a part load out if we need. And uh, yeah, it's an air tractor. And uh, so it's pretty much the same. And yes, we do use either retardant or foam or gel. They're usually three different products. Very rarely we put straight water out. But uh, yeah, different products for different jobs. Now, Guy, uh, and you've been, well, they've been burning for you know, months, I suppose. How long have you been doing that? Uh, we started pretty much up north in the middle of uh, November and uh, didn't really start to slow down until we finished up at Canberra just the other, the other week, about a week ago, I think it was. So when you say up north, whereabouts, in New South Wales or Queensland or where? Uh, yeah, we went up, we were based out of Armadale, that area, but up to nearly Gundawindi base there and uh, Glen Innes and then across into Tenderfield where we were bombing fires up that way. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we've uh, been around a little bit. So now you're heading up, what, to Narrabri, did you say, to do some crop dusting? What sort of... What they're about to plant, aren't they? they will, no, they'll plant in the next couple of months, I suppose, won't they? Yeah, well, I think that's the thing because they've had a fair bit of rain. So we're up there, I reckon we'll be doing a bit of weed control so they're able to uh, put their winter crops in. Yeah, there you go. Um, and what, yeah, that'll be... Well, it's nice to hear from you, Guy. I met Guy, ladies and gentlemen, at one of the first Blaze Aid camps about, um, well, that's nearly 10 years ago, isn't it, Guy? I think you're correct. It would have been... Um, yeah. Golly gosh. Uh, 2009. Was, 2009. When was it? 2009, Kel? The, the fire? 2009 or 10. Yeah, down at Kilmore. Yeah. And, um, and, wow. uh, <laughs> that's a long time ago. And you'll be interested to know how many, how many Blaze Aid camps there are now because of the fires and the floods and, and everything. There's, uh, I, look, I think there's, um, 
20 or 30 blaze aid camps. I'm not sure how many, but there's a lot of blaze aid camps at the moment, Guy, because of all the need, I suppose. Well, there is a lot. I was listening to you a little bit earlier, and I follow in, uh, where was he going? Labourthill, I think, or he was going through yeah. Labourthill? Yeah. Up yeah. in uh, South Australia? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's lots of blade aid camps, isn't there? I'm not sure how many. I'm quite like you, 20 or 30 or 40. Yeah. Uh, there. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to catch up sometime at a, at a blaze aid camp, Guy, but you'll be pretty busy now, I suppose, with your, with your crop dusting. I reckon we will be. I think we'll be pretty flat out for a while, Maka, which is good for a change. Yeah, I'll say. All right. Well, nice to talk to you, Guy. What uh, What's it look like? Where are you now? You're over Forbes, did you say? And uh, Just past Forbes. I'm uh, nearly nearly uh, just going past Parks. It's 12 degrees there. It's 7,500 feet. Uh, the sun is not long over the horizon. It's just sitting out off my right wing tip there. I've got my hand in the way to keep the sun out of my face. <laughs> and uh, it's actually looking green around here too. Like it's uh, starting to look pretty gorgeous. I haven't seen any green stuff here for a few years. No, exactly, exactly. But uh, there's been a bit of rain. Some people have, need some more, I think. But um, there's been some heavy falls, oh, five, five six hundred mils, you know, on the on the coast. Some places, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had a little bit of rain out here, but some places have had a heck of a lot, haven't they? We still need a lot more to uh, break the drought. It's good to see a bit of uh, water about in the dams this morning. Yeah, I'll say. Um, and uh, a lovely. You got cloud up there, or you got a nice view? No, it's a pretty good day today. Clear, there's a little bit of uh, high patchy cloud, I'd call it, but it's uh, pretty much clear. Very nice day. Guy, great to talk to you, mate. Yeah, good to talk to you, mate. We'll uh, look forward to catching up at some stage. That sounds good. Good on you. Okay, you take care. Cheers. Bye. Yeah, morning, Ian. It's uh, Bowser here from Maitland on the York Peninsula. How you doing? Good, thanks, Bowser. Good. Um, hey, just um, I don't know what you, what everyone's done to Mother Nature, but she's certainly pretty upset at the moment, isn't she? <laughs> what's what, <laughs> what's happening on the York York Peninsula, Bowser? Oh, look, it's it's um, another day in paradise. Um, we just haven't had the rain the rest of the uh, eastern states have had, but uh, we don't really need it right at the moment. But we did a bit of a storm went through the other day, which is which was good to settle the dust and get a few weeds growing. But um, look, I just wanted to. Um, uh, probably the first week in about the last two and a half years that we haven't been sending road trains of hay somewhere all over Australia. Um, I feel like there's a piece of our farm pretty much all over New South Wales and Queensland because there's been uh, probably, probably if I worked it out, probably an average of about three road trains a week, every week for the last two and a half years going off off of our place anyway. But um, but it wouldn't be possible without blokes. I wanted just to acknowledge this morning the passing of Brian Egan from Aussie Helpers. Oh, yes. I meant to mention um, that. Go for it. Yeah, well, he um, he actually, I actually spoke to him about 10 years ago when, oh, before the hay runners and before the a lot of the, the, the you know, the, the more, um, well, I won't say proactive, but before a lot of that um, fodder supply and, and drought donation stuff took off. And he was instrumental in um, sending stuff to places that were probably forgotten about. And I, I just recall one, one bloke up at Lightning Ridge, I can't think of his name, but um, we sent sort of six or seven road trains of it was only barley straw, and it was all donated. And you know that guy, he, he was he, he was one little pocket there at Lightning Ridge, just hadn't rained for three years, and and Brian just kept on finding the, the people that were a bit left out or a bit whatever. And um, yeah, it was really sad to hear, hear him passing. And I, I just acknowledge all those blokes like him that are really pioneers in the in the the heart of Australian people that. You know they want to help. They want to give, and you can see with the fires and the and the droughts and 
not to take the you know the light off the drought, but there's so many people that their hearts are so good and, and they want to give and, and blokes are helping to organise it and Brian was instrumental in that. Brian and, and his wife Nerida and they got an award, a gong in the uh, New Year's Eve Honours Awards, which was uh, uh, and I was so so shocked to see his passing. He he did great work and and you're right, the need for feed and the Burrumbuck hay runners and people who are just helping at Blaze Aid camps everywhere. I mean, really, uh, it's the most important thing and the place wouldn't run and Blaze Aid at the moment need lots of help and but um and people like you, Bowser and and you know, truckies who just give their time and give a weekend away or, you know, to drive some hay to wherever for, for nothing. Sometimes they don't even get any pay, they don't even they do it for just for free and and that's uh the Australian spirit I reckon, mate. Yeah, absolutely. And look it it really is. You you hit your spot on the Australian spirit and it's not it's not dead by any stretch. Um it doesn't need a doesn't need a corporate body to, to run it. It just, just needs a bloke to say, Hey, I've got something here, I wanna share it with you. It's a bit of a you know, it's a bit of the uh, bit of the Old Testament. Just looking after your neighbour and and being treating other people as you'd like to be treated. And and by hell, there's some people that have been struggling. And I think we're just proud to be able to be able to contribute. And the, the old York Peninsula, she's she's done pretty well over this time. And um, yeah, it's just good to be able to, to help out. And um, yeah, just to just to know that you're giving your giving your neighbour a leg up. You know, good on you, Bowser. It's great to talk to you, mate. You're a cracker. Nah, good on you, Mac. You just. Uh, Keep up the good work. Yeah. All right, mate. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hello, Macca. Yep. yep. It's Pam Crothers from Durambandi and Hebel uh, calling you this morning in response to your uh, rediscovering the Hebel tea towel in your bottom drawer. Oh, <laughs> well, that's exactly right, Pam Crothers. Ladies and gentlemen, Pam Crothers has been a sometime correspondent over the last 30 years, I suppose. Pam, is that right? Um, uh, yeah, I think so. There's a... There's, um, What's the what's the line in the song? They're flooded in in Durham Bandy. A case of red would come in handy. Um, that was for another flood, Pam. But uh, yeah, look, we were. My sister was staying at my place, and she was. She's you know, as my dad would say, um, uh, when I, he walked sometimes walked into my room, somebody's committed a neatness. Uh, well, my sister was rummaging around and committing a neatness <laughs> in my place, and she came across. I'm just grabbing it here. And she's a she was an art teacher, right? A high school art teacher and right. a consultant. And she used to travel around the state. And she came across this little tea towel. And I meant to put the and, – and it's got these little drawings. And they're just lovely. And Robin, she said, look at this. Look at this. And I said, is that naive art or whatever? Because it's got a picture of the school drawn in ink and then all the little faces of Bob and Josh and Rosie and – uh, Talia and uh, jo- have a look at Jody. It's just fantastic. My sister went off her head. She thought this so. She said, "I'm going to get that framed." So- well, I've got the tea towel in front of me because my sister-in-law was having a bit of a neatness last uh, week or so and found it in her bottom drawer. Yeah, and uh, pa- gave it to me. There's a few kicking around, and uh, those children on that tea towel are between the ages of 34 and 30 now, Manka. Yeah, I bet. And they're still and ra- they're still around town. Um, yeah, she's no longer with us, mm. and uh, Pam on there, probably a few wrinkles would be on that if they drew it today, and a pair of glasses. There you yeah. go. Is that you? Mm. Is that so you? the passage of time. <laughs> so the other thing um, about Jodie on the tea towel is that, um, as happens in small country towns, Jodie has now morphed into the PNC president. All right. And I don't know how it happened, but I've ended up as the PNC secretary. All right, there you and go. And we're actually opening our time capsule that was put down probably in the time of those students there, although there are a few younger ones 
it was probably, um, I don't think, oh, maybe 97, 98, oh, no, I think 2001 we put it down. And um, so we're going to open it up on the long weekend of October. The main day is Sunday of the October long weekend. And most of us can't remember what is in it. And I, I know we put examples of technology. I don't think it was floppy disks. I think it was CDs that we put in. I know all the students wrote about what they thought that they might be doing mm. in 2021. So it Isn't should be... Terrific fun to open up and find out. I'd say, and technology's changed us so much. We're just, we're just um, uh, coming to grips with a new phone system here. At, uh, at, and it seems to be working fine, but it's like any new technology, it's hard to get used to. But um, Pam, it's, uh, it's my sister. She said every school should do this. I said, Rob, you can do that at Durham Bandy because there was only 10, 10 or. 12. 15 students, but she couldn't do it at a school with 500. You just couldn't do it, fit the faces well, on the Well, actually, the idea came from my um, niece and nephew who went to school in Artarman, mm. and they must have had their class because it was uh, absolutely full of little portraits that are about postage stamp size. So that's where the idea came from. And, but, of course, we had much more uh, chance... Uh, fitting nine or so on the tea towel. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's, it's a lovely thing. And, and, and everybody drew their own picture, of course, did they? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I didn't draw myself, so I'm pretty sure Talia was very fond of drawing. She may have drawn me and also Mrs. Buck. Uh, one of the students drew Mrs. Buck as well, the teacher aide. So, yeah. Yeah, was... yeah I note that I've got earrings on inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and I would have done. I did the sketch of the school in the middle because it's a little old one-teacher school building with the steps, and the kids still know that there's 25 steps. They used to do their five times table walking up the steps <laughs> at the front with the little tank on the side. But now that building's been dropped down on the ground, and then there's been other additions added on. There's another two buildings that are sort of attached to the. That's the admin building now because we've expanded in such great size. So we did get up to 32 at one stage when um, wow. everything was booming and there was a lot of development going on in the district. And we've been back to five and we're now up to an, on nine at the end of last year and eight just now. So, um, yeah, we're doing pretty well, really, because a lot of the little schools have really, um, yeah, taken a big hit up with the, the state of the... The uh, economics. Yeah. I'm talking to Pam Crothers from Durham Bandy. Hebel, how's Hebel doing now? Is it you had rain, drought? What's going on there? Well, Hebel Town itself has had terrific rain, but unfortunately, it's been very patchy and uh, not uh, very widespread. So, very specific falls, I guess, like how storm rain falls. Um, West of Durham Bandy, very little out Bolland Way, not much, um, and uh, it just depends actually where mm. you are as to how much you've got, but. Um, you know, unfortunately, the way that Australia is, to one fall doesn't sort of bring you back from no. the brink, sort of thing. So, and and grass doesn't grow overnight. So, and also, you know, people wanting to restock the uh, cost exactly. of um, sheep mm. and cattle has just gone through the roof in the last couple of weeks. So, um, it's extremely difficult. But I, you know, certainly having some rainfall around is really encouraging for people because despite people always saying it's going to rain one day, you don't really believe them when they tell you, and it's no solace. No. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Think, I, I think there's more rain around. Well, it depends, but it's always patchy. But, Pam, I'm, that's going to be um, – my, my sister's going to frame that. Um, uh, and uh, next time you come to my place, if you come to my place, or I might even bring it out, it'll be, um, it'll be pride of place. We just think it's fantastic. Good. <laughs> and Pam, it's lovely yeah. to talk to you after all these Likewise. years too. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in Dirrambandi. You live in Dirrambandi or? 
I live between Durrambandi and Hebel. Mm. So, um, yeah, Hebel's our closest town. Um, it's 32 k's away, but Durrambandi's 45. So, um, yeah, we live between the two, I guess, yeah. Well, but, yeah, Durrambandi's sort of going along okay just now, and the school's got a few extra students in it. And uh, we've got a rail and river precinct in Durrambandi, uh, which is designed to showcase our heritage and uh, a place for people to recreate. So we're hoping when people come to Durrambandi, there's a you know particular place for them to come and visit and hear of our stories. So, um, and we're hoping plenty of people stop in Durrambandi this year too. It would be great. Well, I think that's what people should do. If you're looking for something to do, get out and, and discover Australia. Country towns are, are great places and you meet great people and people you won't meet anywhere else. Isn't that right, Pam? Well, I was talking to a girl who's a backpacker or she's a bit older than a backpacker, but she's come to Australia and she, her friends couldn't understand. She's from England. They couldn't understand why she didn't go to Melbourne. And she said, well, I just know that if you're there, you don't meet anybody. And to come out here is where you get to meet everyone. Everyone wants to know who you are and where you come from. And, um, and you get to meet uh, real people sort of thing and authentic people if you come to regional areas. And uh, it's just uh, so much easier. That's what chat. I did. If you go to the Hebel Pub, everybody wants to chat to you at Hebel Pub and find out where you're from and <laughs> and uh, what's going on. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that's a case in point. Good on you. Nice to talk to you, Pam. We'll, uh, we'll catch up for sure. That'd be great, Macca, good. and keep up the good work. We love listening to you. Good on you, Doll. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Hey, Macca, how are you doing? Oh, Seedy in Carrather. G'day, mate. Yeah, how are you, Macca? How is the, um, how is the cyclone? Uh, how is the aftermath of the cyclone, Seedy? Oh, we're still cleaning up. Um, it's been probably a, a week of um, picking up broken trees and tree foliage all around town. It's still happening as we speak today. Wow. Um, bit of a shout-out to all the volunteers. They had SES guys from other areas and come up here to give us a hand, and local contractors have been using all their gear to um, cut stuff away. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, and... Uh... But, it was a lovely little image you painted of the Corellas lying flat out prostrate on the uh, on the branches of the trees, trying to stay uh, stay um, yeah focused. Yeah, head into the wind. I can't believe they can hang on with 160, 80 k winds, mate. They were just hanging on and laying along the branch. It was unbelievable. Watch. No, yeah. I, I can't. But, I can't. Um, we, yeah, but amazing when they when they do did actually give in. They they went to ground and found a spot where there was no wind, like right up beside the bottom of a fence line somewhere. And uh, I had a big tree go over next door, and uh, when they actually um, was over, they started to have a look around. It would have been about a dozen parked right up underneath this tree that's gone over to get out of the wind. Poor little blokes here. Yeah, wow. But we've still got um, still got a few boats missing up here. I think there's um, two. We don't even know where they are on the ocean floor somewhere. And there's a, a tugboat from down the road that's still up on the rocks. It's down at the end of um, the archipelago up here. And um, there's four of the boats that have been holed and bashed up on rocks that's still sitting there, I think. Gee. Yeah. So I don't think I like to see nature any more angry than what we saw up here a couple of, about a week ago, mate. She was pretty scary. Yeah. And we haven't, well, I haven't seen a lot of news about the cyclone there because there's so, so much other stuff on the news that, uh, you know, floods and stuff and rushing water. And But uh, that sounds yeah. like a pretty scary one. And uh, what's the cost of all that, do you reckon? Oh, I think it'd be up in the millions for sure. Mm. Just just to clear, there's been a semi-trailer, though. It's been some lots of couple of road trains working around town, picking up all the... The trees are laying all over the place, you know. So the cost of that, just the um, the clean-up, the cost would be unbelievable up here. Not to mention there's fences down everywhere still. And the, the strange thing about it is I can stand out on the verge of my street. I can see right through 
to the centre of town from here, where I couldn't see before because of all the trees and covered it all up. But now it's just like a, I guess, a war zone. You know, it's been sort of nuked, I guess you'd say. It just everything it, sort of more visible everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, Darren rang this morning from Mower in Queensland, um, and they're living in a shed because they had a, some sort of little mini cyclone or tornado come through. You know, it's only about a kilometre wide, cause cuts a sway through, and just took their house away. Took the house and sheds and tractors and hold. He found bits of the house four k's away. Um, so, you know, it's, uh, I always find that January, but particularly February, January and February, are often hot, humid, stormy, rainy, and, and windy, all of those things. That's what happens. Yep. So yep. you can expect anything, uh, January, February, I reckon. Mate, I don't know, Mac, have you ever tried to pull out a great big gum tree and dig it out of the ground, but the tap roots on the gum tree go down a fair way, and to pull one over... Is unbelievable. Like a lot of work involved to actually dig them out and get all the roots out and pull them over. Yeah. But when you see what the cyclone has done, it's just tore them clean out of the ground up here with tap roots that are like 150 mil diameter and more going in all different directions. It's tearing them out of the ground like they made a balsa wood, you know? Unbelievable, really. CD, um, I'll see you in Caratha. Hope to get there this year sometime. We'd love to come uh, back good. to Caratha and do a program. I'd like to go to Headland actually and do a program. That'd be good. Yeah. We'll come up to you, mate. No worries. All right. Good on you, Sadie. <laughs> uh, thanks for the okay. update, mate. Okay. Cheers, mate. See you, mate. Bye. My next guest has many strings to his bow. Uh, he's a mechanical engineer, design engineer, social psychologist. He's been a lecturer in those disciplines. Uh, but it's as a playwright and as a screenwriter, really, that we've come to know David Williamson, the club, the removalists. I'd get exhausted reading them out. Travelling North, Screenplays for Gallipoli, Year of Living, Dangerously, Far Lap, Emerald City. The list goes on and on and on and on. He's been a busy boy since he left Monash in 1965, Monash University. But it was a press release last year for one of his more recent plays that caught my eye. The play is called Never the Gods. It's about physics, uh, astronomy, Sir Isaac Newton and Edmund Halley and others. But I suspect, like Shakespeare's plays and David Williamson's plays too, it's really about the human condition. Most of his plays are about that, and that's what we're all interested in, isn't it? Um, David Williamson, good morning. Lovely to have your company. Lovely to be here, Ian. Yeah, good to see you. What, tell me about you and Isaac Newton. Well, I was the first mechanical engineering graduate from Monash University back then. Um, uh, I, I managed to get get through. I wasn't uh, enormously interested in, in engineering, but I was good at maths. And uh, in those days, boys that were good at maths had to do something in that uh, line. Uh. Uh, but what got me was what a revolution uh, Newton caused. What a mind. Um, he took us from a, a total non-understanding of the laws of the physical universe to a total understanding in one giant leap. And I thought, what kind of mind is that? Mm. So many years later, I went back to Newton and uh, researched and uh, suddenly uh, an amazing story. Uh, you know, we all know, every school kid knows Newton's laws of motion and uh, the law of universal gravitation, but they don't know that it almost never happened. Because Newton, by the time he got round to doing that, was quite off off the beam. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? Well, mental health uh, issues. Yeah, he he practically <laughs> solved the problem back when he was twenty five, but then forgot about it because his he believed um, that he was the only human being that had a mind good enough to decipher God's message for future mankind, which was hidden in the Book of Revelations. So he wow. 
So when he wasn't doing alchemy, mixing up chemicals in his uh, in his study in Cambridge with a flu going through the roof, he was um, he was poring over um, multiple translations of Revelations to unlock the key God's message because he thought all churches were corrupt and God God not Jesus God was coming the next time to really set things straight and he had to work out what year God was wow. coming, and Edmund Halley knew he was brilliant and knew they couldn't solve the problem of why the planets revolved around the sun. They had no idea. They thought the clouds of ether swirled them around. But, uh, so he went up to Cambridge and said, uh, he said, please, you're the only one who can solve this problem for us. And Newton said, no, I'm too busy. I'm, I'm, I'm working out God's plan for... Uh, and, and, and to Halley, make... Halley knew this was a crisis. Well, uh, yeah, so Halley had to draw him back into from the, uh, from the world of the practically insane to the sane, and, he, and then he had to contend with uh, Newton's great rival, Robert Hooke, who hated Newton and was determined not to let anything that Newton discovered get out to the wide world. Hated so, him, why? Because he was brighter than he was? Or? Well, well, that was the problem. Uh, Hooke had always thought he was the brightest man in, in the class. In, in the class, yeah. <laughs> and then Newton came along, and he clearly Newton was super bright. And uh, and when two people believe they're the brightest in the, in the land, only one of them could be right. And and uh, so Hook did everything he could to sabotage. And poor old Edmund Halley, had, it was high drama. So he he, he he was the good guy. So he, he was the saviour, really. Yes, without Edmund Halley, who we now know for Halley's comet. Uh, and that, the, the laws, the laws of the universe would not have been discovered, <laughs> and that really amazes me too. Because I went to see Halley's comet in '86. I went out to Coonabarabran and to um, uh, Binaway and places and to look at Halley's comet, which was wasn't great, but it was you could see it. And we had a little evening there in I think it was '86. But I and I sat there. Now I thought if I sat on a rock for ten thousand years, I wouldn't work out how. He knew. How did he work out that it was going to come every seventy-six years and those sort of things? Oh, and, yeah. And and, yeah. and and those people are working on a different plane, aren't they? I mean, oh, that sort of understanding, like you're talking about Isaac Newton, it's a different level of consciousness in some well, ways. Isn't yeah. It? Well, these were these were the three brightest minds in Britain, but neither of the other two were as bright as as Newton. I mean, it seems simple now, but. When Newton uh, uh, was born, everyone thought that gravity was this thing that pulled an apple to the earth, but it only happened at the surface of the earth. Uh, it happened nowhere else in the universe. Um, they didn't know what it was, but they knew it. And Newton one day uh, saw the apple fall, and then he looked up, and there was an early moon in the sky, and he thought, what if the force that pulls the apple down stretched right up there? Maybe that's the force that's keeping the planets uh, and the moon circling. Uh, but it was, he was the first one to have that thought. It seems, seems simple now, but it was not then. And you've got, because you're, you're an engineer and you like maths and stuff like that, uh, um, and you write plays and you wrote, to write about this, you're really not writing about the, the mechanics. You're writing about this relationship between Halley and Newton and if it hadn't have happened and you've, you've described it as genius, genius bastardry and heroism. Yes, well, <laughs> the, the bastardry came from Robert Hooke uh, and the madness came from Newton and the sanity came uh, from Halley. So, it, yeah, it's about human nature. It's about 
vindictiveness. It's about envy. Um, it's about uh, who goes down in history uh, as in, uh, doing something significant. And it's also about uh, Halley's marriage because he was married to a very bright lady called Mary Took from the Took family, who were the great lawyers of England. She had a fantastic mind. But in those days, women were forbidden from practicing law, medicine, anything. All they could do was, all that Mary could do was do charity work. But she was as bright as a button. And so the two of them uh, virtually worked as a team to get, uh, to, to edge uh, Isaac back to sanity, and then lo and behold, Hook tries to sabotage the whole lot. Yeah, and isn't it's, isn't it interesting when you're thinking about people? And you've done psychology, of course, and I suppose that's t- um, so important when you're writing plays and you're, you're studying people and you go out and you talk to people. But but it's interesting, isn't it, that whether you're Isaac Newton or the president of the United States or the local groundkeeper. We're still, or we're all beset by the same, the same human frailties, aren't we? Yeah, you know those sort of things. It doesn't matter how bright you are. You just uh, Isaac Newton was, uh, yeah, beset by his own little demons. We all are, aren't well, we? Well, look, basically, we're ruled by our emotions, as as, as has become clear uh, in studies in the last 30, 30 years or so. We always love to think of ourselves as rational creatures that took all arguments and then worked out which was the best argument and uh, and rationally went. Uh, nothing like that. Our uh, our deep emotions usually make all our decisions for us before we even get them consciously. So we, we use that wonderful uh, part of our forebrain that does all the rational calculations. We mostly use it to rationalise very bad emotional decisions that have already been made That's without the, our knowledge. The great... Uh, the great uh thing about human beings is we can rationalize anything that's yeah, other, otherwise yeah. we'd be we'd be gone but we, we can rationalize that that's the that's how we get through life i think well, isn't it yeah 95 percent of our brain power is used as i say not to work out who's got the best argument and then believe in that mm. uh, but to uh Rational. defend the wrong argument that we've got uh, yeah. <laughs> how good was don's party i mean and the last election that we've just had, there's a, there's another Don's party there. I'm, oh, isn't it? Isn't aren't, aren't, I never go to an election. They're booze ups, really, aren't they? Election booze yes, ups, and then yes, half the are. half the room's miserable. And the yeah, other yes, crying. Yeah. Not a good place to be. Well, I've been to quite a few election parties around that time. I thought there's a lot of drama happening here. Yeah, uh, a lot of bad behaviour and uh, and. Uh, comedy, uh, someone d- described as people behaving badly but not realising they're behaving badly, but we in the audience know they're behaving badly, and that's what's funny. Yeah. Uh, and I loved Graham. I realised how good an actor Graham Kennedy was when uh, I saw him in the club and uh, and uh, travelling north. Travelling north, too, yeah. He's uh, great, like Sinatra. I thought Sinatra was a great actor. You know, he's a good singer, but he's, I thought he's a great actor. You know? Well, uh, yeah, and, and Kennedy didn't didn't have that belief in himself. He no. uh, he was very nervous. He thought he was amongst real actors and. We had to keep telling him, no, look, you're, you're just as good, if not better, than any of them. Mm. David Williamson, it's been a great pleasure. You're off to a family function now. I am. Maybe there's another plane there, depending oh, no, what no, happens. No, I think I'll stay away. <laughs> it's been Thanks. wonderful to talk to you. Lovely to meet you. Same here, Ian. It's been a real pleasure. Good Thanks. on you. Okay. David Williamson. listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.